Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic tonight is gathering the sheep. It's kind of an extension of what we were talking about last week about the sheep. And before we get dig into this anymore, I wanted to make two announcements. Uh, of, an announcement of bitter disappointment is that we will not be having a Bible study next week, February 18th. Uh, there's a whole support crew that helps this thing happen and a bunch of the support crew won't be around next week. And uh, so I'm going to just shamelessly take the week off and uh, <laughs> see you back on February 25th. I hope you can watch a previous broadcast and so on. And I also wanted to do a quick wave offering. Uh, these are three books that have just come out from the Swedenborg Foundation. I think I've showed you this one on the Lord before that's absolutely full of scriptures. And it's awesome, but it's not not real thick, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, I can't say it's an easy read, but it's all in one place, you know, it, it's a, it's great and very, very well translated. And here's one that very much pertains to Bible studies, sacred scripture and white horse, the white horse being the image in the book of Revelation is entirely about scripture. Ironically, the Lord has even more scripture in it than the scripture one, but, um, and then you have life and faith which is all about my favorite word, begins with an R, forget what it is. That's right, repentance. Uh, this is a very powerful argument about repentance and faith. So I recommend those to your attention. You can find those at www.swedenborg.com and wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> and um, so, and this is, I won't do the whole introductory blurb tonight. I'll just say that this is a looking at the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible through a Swedenborgian lens. That's the purpose of Spirit and Life Bible study. And the sheep, we talked last time about the sheep being good people who are following the Lord, and sheep are capable. They don't turn into wolves. They don't turn into evil things or whatever, uh, but they are capable of becoming lost or going astray uh, or getting scattered or uh, falling into some kind of a pit. And there are so many scriptures, we couldn't possibly cover them all tonight, about the Lord gathering people together, uh, particularly sort of at the, in the end times. There's going to be this great gathering of the sheep, sometimes expressed in terms of sheep, sometimes just in terms of getting people out of all the nations <laughs> and so on. And so I'm very interested to look tonight at what is the meaning of gathering the sheep. How do the sheep gather? Because, friends, I feel that there's a lot of scatteredness. Isn't there a lot of fragmentation in our world and, and uh, in, in religious bodies and so on? And so I'm very interested. It, it's, a, it's not just an intellectual question, but a very emotional question to me. How, how do the sheep come together? How, how does this gathering occur? What do we read in Scripture? So would you be willing to join me in an opening prayer, good friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the Word made flesh. We thank you, Lord, for bowing the heavens and coming down into our world, for revealing yourself. We pray that we may see you with both our minds and our hearts in the pages of your Word. Amen. So sending love out to all of you who are online and getting the audio, whether you are in this moment or you're in some here and now, either there and then or something. <laughs> and uh, so I feel blessed to be with you. 
and to be looking at this very important subject. Um, okay, let's dive right into the scripture, shall we? Let's turn to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. We've got a few scriptures to go through, and then I hope to have some thoughts after that. Um, let's look at these gatherings. And I cut this list down, and then I cut it down a second time, then I cut it down a third time. Uh, there are so many of these. I just keep your eyes out for them as you read. They're all over the place, this idea of the gathering that's going to take place. Let's have a look at Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book in chapter 30, if you will. And let's start with, um, oh, verse 1 right there. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Mm. If, any, if any of you are driven out to the fur farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Go then on. the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Hmm. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart <coughs> and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Okay, there's a couple of little clues in here about this. this um, it says that we need to obey his voice I'll just write OT up on the chart here for the Old Testament because we'll go through these Old Testament passages first and uh, obey his voice <coughs> and uh, that as we go through this, the Lord will circumcise our hearts, right? That So I think the word for that is repentance process. Um, So that's some kind of clue as to how we come back, right? You have to obey the Lord's voice and go through this repentance process. Okay, turn to the middle of your Bible. Uh, so many of these are in the prophets. We'll mainly be in the prophets tonight. Uh, Psalm 107 is where we're headed next, though. Psalm 107. Hmm. Okay, and let's just start right into the first verse there. You can read this at a fair clip, dear reader. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You see what I'm talking about? That, that there's this gathering, this so people are going to come together. There's... There's this time of scattering and dispersion and everything, but there's going to be a gathering together. Go on. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. Mm. They found no city to dwell in. Mm. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Oh, they did what? Cried out to the Lord. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so cry to the Lord. All right, go on. 
and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul mm. with goodness. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God oh, wow. and despised the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. So this sounds like a second group. Go on. What then, did they do? Then they cried out to oh, the help. they cried to the Lord. Okay. To the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Okay, we can stop there, but it goes on along those lines. So crying to the Lord seems to be a good thing to do if you want to get gathered. If you feel <laughs> sheep-like and want to be gathered, crying to the Lord seems to have something to do with it. Let's have a look at Psalm 147. Okay. I just like this. Uh, verses 2 and 3. Let's just read those. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. Mm. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. See what I'm talking about? Hmm. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So it seems as though there's a healing which I think it may be related to the repentance process, but there's a healing process involved in this. Okay, turn to the right to Isaiah. You go through a few things, and you get to Isaiah there. And let's look at chapter 11. And let's look at verse 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time, to recover the remnant of his people who are left. The second time. Interesting. So he gathered the remnant one time. Now he's going to do it again. And they're going to come out of all these different lands and from the islands of the sea. And in verse 12, what's he going to do? He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So the Lord sets up a banner. Now, when did that happen relative to the, it seems like he's pulling. Now, you would think what would happen would be that the Lord would set up a banner and then people would go to that. But didn't it seem like the Lord will set his hand again the second time to bring back the remnant of his people and then he sets up the, the banner and assembles the outcasts of Israel, gathers together. I, I can't tell quite where the banner comes in relative to the gathering, but... I think the banner has something to do with divine truth, you know, something about the, the truth going forth. Uh, have a look at chapter 27 in there in Isaiah. Mm. Verses 12 and 13 at the end of that brief chapter. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will thresh from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt. Mm. And you will be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. No, wait a minute. What did you say? Say that again. And you will be gathered one by one. Well, wait, isn't, isn't gathering by definition a non-one-by-one process? Isn't gathering getting a whole bunch of people together? How can you? Isn't that odd? So one by one, I'll add to our little list here. Those of you who are getting the audio, I'm just writing down certain key phrases from here. But... Uh, yeah, it's one by one. Okay. 
And uh, go on. So it shall be in that day, the great trumpet will be blown. Oh, okay. Let's see. So the Lord sets up a banner. Uh, I'll just put all these up here in whatever order. But there's a trumpet, which seems a little like the banner, like there'll be some kind of a signal that, that goes out. But again, doesn't it sound like the people were gathered and then the trumpet sounded? You'd think it would go the other way around. Wouldn't you sound the trumpet first and then the people would gather? What's, what's going on? Um, go on. The great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria. Mm. And they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt. Always these outcasts. Interesting, isn't it? Mm. And shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Okay, so what they're coming to do, they're seeking the Lord. Uh, I'd say seeking to worship the Lord. That would just be sort of how I might summarize that okay uh, let's look at Isaiah 40 we're just rifling through here um, there's a pretty little verse in verse 11 right there he will feed his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom huh. and gently lead those who are with young. Yeah. So we don't learn too much on the side of the intellect there, but it's a very beautiful emotional picture of this gathering the lambs with his arm, with that divine power. He'll feed his flock like a shepherd, gather them together, gently lead those who are with young. And Isaiah 54 Verse 7. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. Aha, uh -huh. so this is done with mercy, uh, whatever that, you know, whatever form that takes, but with mercy. And I love the wording of this. It's just like, it was just a moment that I forsook you. But uh, with great mercy, I'll gather you. Go on. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. For a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And let's do two more just because they're irresistible. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Mm. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Okay, again, that's just sort of a, a beautiful passage uh, that came to mind. Look at Isaiah 66, very last chapter of Isaiah. And... Um, yeah, look at this, verse 18. It's been talking about people. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. Mm. And then what will he do? I will set a sign among them. Oh, it's like the banner, this sign. Set up a banner or a sign or the trumpet, but it's always after the gathering. It's weird that the, how do you, how do you do it 
It's in the wrong order. How, how does that work? Go on. I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape, I will send to the nations, to mm. Tarshish and Pool and Lud, who draw the bow, and Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off, who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Okay, interesting. And the next few verses are really great, but we'll skip those right now. Mm. Let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 3. Hmm. It's fun to read these passages and just, I, I mean, you just get lost in it. If you start at any one of these places and you just get lost in it. Look at verse 17 there. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. Uh -huh. And all the nations shall be gathered to it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. Aha. Uh -huh. So doesn't it seem like, that's, that's a nice little clue. Doesn't it seem like that, that there's something about the gathering. You make yourself eligible for the gathering through this repentance. You're no longer walking after what the Old King James calls the imagination of their evil heart or the dictates. You know, that, that's not, you're not following this anymore. And when you're not following that, then you're following the Lord and the Lord is calling you. And look at verse 18 is very interesting to me, too. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. The house of Judah generally means people who are oriented toward love and the house of Israel, those toward truth. And they're going to walk together. OK, go on. And they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given as an inheritance to your fathers. Mm. So I just want to write right on the board love and truth together you know there's something about these two together that will be part of this gathering good 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 how about jeremiah chapter 23 hmm. okay let's read it the first verse there so I, I can't get enough of these evil shepherds. You know, it's just so awesome. Go on. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, <coughs> driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds. So here's a very explicit sheep gathering type of passage, isn't it? That aligns perfectly with all the other passages we just read. The idea from the north and the south, east and the west. Go on. And they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Okay, get better shepherds. <laughs> okay, good. All right, and uh, in verse 5, the Lord will raise David a righteous branch. You know, in other words, there'll be a worship of the Lord, uh, increased worship of the Lord. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29. All these wonderful things. Uh, let's start at verse 10. This is a gorgeous passage. For thus says the Lord, 
After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Mm. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me. Ah, isn't that like crying to the Lord? Or so we'll say call or slash cry to the Lord, okay? Then mm -hmm. you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay, so uh, <coughs> do we have that up here somewhere? Early? Seeking to worship the Lord. Uh, I'll just say seeking the Lord like that. And seeking the Lord with, with whole heart. Don't know how legibly I'm writing this. But seeking the Lord with her whole heart. That's right. And, and then look what it says in verse 14. It's confusing. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Well, wait a minute. So I, I thought he already gathered us, but okay. So I'll be found by you. and I'll, Okay, go on. I will gather you from all the nations mm. and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Okay, that's good. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, let's have a look at verse 8 and following. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child, together. Mm. A great throng shall return there. A great throng. Interesting. And yet it said before that they'll come one by one, didn't it? But a great throng, it says here. Okay, go on. They shall come with weeping, and with supplications I will lead them. Mm. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Mm. Very nice. Okay, and look at verse 10 there. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Yes, okay, just so that's the kind of passage from which I got the idea of gathering the sheep. And in chapter 32, the very next one... Have a look at uh, verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in great wrath. I will bring them back to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely. Mm. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. And then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. Okay, one heart and one way. How beautiful is that, huh? Hmm. That's what we get after the, it sounds like after the gathering happens, then we get one heart and one way. Wow, that, that's very beautiful, and he makes an everlasting covenant with us and rejoices over us etc etc so let's turn to the right and go to ezekiel chapter 11 dealing with scripture is just unbelievable you know how do you walk away from any of these things and go to the next chapter they're just too beautiful
Chapter 11, verse 17. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples. I did not write this. I didn't, I didn't write, I didn't make this up. These are just a fraction of the passages that are like this. <laughs> and it's like a hammer, isn't it? Again and again and again and again. I'm going to gather them. I'm going to gather them. I'm going to gather them. Okay, go on. I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Mm. Then I will give them one heart, one heart, and I will put a new spirit a within new spirit. them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh. And they'll be my people, and I'll be their God, so on and so forth. Yep, just too beautiful. Okay, uh, let's move on to Ezekiel chapter 20. Verse 34, are you tired of it yet? Go. I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you were scattered with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury poured out. Aha, uh -huh, that fury's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Okay, and look at verse 41 just below there. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Yes, I will be hallowed in you. I've, I've sort of marveled at that phrase before. The Lord will be hallowed in us. There's something about our relationship to the Lord being holy that will have an effect on others. Uh, how about Ezekiel 30? Oh, wait, where are we? This is 34. Ezekiel 34, which we read a lot in last time. Uh, but let's just read it again, starting at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Mm. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Cloudy and dark day. I was meditating about that cloudy and dark day. Um, cloudy... In Scripture, the image of clouds has to do with the literal sense of Scripture. When it says that Jesus is coming in the clouds with power and great glory, it means He's coming in the pages of Scripture. He's coming in the literal sense of Scripture. Uh, but a cloudy and a dark day, I think, is a church that reads Scripture literally and doesn't see anything else in there, you know, and has all this misunderstanding. You know, there's a cloud, but there's no glory. So that's the nature uh, of what happens when that scattering goes on. And so part of this gathering will be seeing the Lord in a new way in Scripture. Go into verse 13 there. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, mm. in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. And it just goes on and on like that. They lie down in a good fold. They, we get fed by the Lord and we can lie down and He strengthens those who are sick and... Just beautiful. Look at 36, verse, chapter 36 in there. Verse, let's start at verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, yes, and, yes. and bring you into your own land. Mm -hmm. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. Aha. 
Now see, that seems like repentance, but again, it's after the gathering. I don't get the sequence sometimes here. Okay, and you'll be clean from what? I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Mm, that'll be a relief. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Mm, keep going. I will put my spirit within you and mm. cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. There it is. And it, it goes on from there. It's just magnificent. Look at Ezekiel 39. Verses 27. When I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. Aha. Uh -huh. So it might happen one by one, but none of them are going to be left, you know, no one left behind. Everybody's going to be rescued. Go on. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel. Yes, says Lord, the Lord God. Pouring out his spirit on the people. Just gorgeous. Okay, now we're going to dip into the minor prophets. Uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Micah's about halfway through. We want to go to Micah chapter 2. And we just want to read the last two verses there. Verses 12 and 13. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. Mm. I will put them together like sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. Mm -hmm. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. The one Yes, who isn't that a nice picture? So <laughs> it also said there was a great throng or something before. You know, the, the, the numbers will be tremendous here. There will be a gathering of tremendous number of people. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will, pa they will break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. Yes, so following the Lord is the basic idea there. Mm. And if you turn to the New Testament and then back up to, you've got Zechariah there. That's our last Old Testament passage, Zechariah chapter 10. Start at verse 8, and this is an interesting little twist on how the Lord will call us. I will whistle for them. Oh, whistle. Okay. <laughs> Lord will whistle for us. So what do we got? We've got a trumpet in here. We've got a whistle. He'll whistle for us. Isn't that great? <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them and they shall increase as they once increased. I will sow them among the peoples, and they shall remember me in far countries. They shall live together. They shall live together with their children, and they shall return. One more verse. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and oh. gather them from Assyria. Okay. I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. Yes, just packed. <coughs> there's, there's just going to be throngs of them. Okay. So to just read over my notes here real quick, uh, this calling has to do with obeying his voice, going through a repentance process. Part of what we're supposed to do is to call and cry to the Lord. We'll go through a healing. He sets up a banner and a sign. 
He calls us one by one. He uses a trumpet or a whistle. We go seeking to worship the Lord and seeking the Lord with our whole heart. Uh, he draws us with mercy. Love and truth are together. Uh, we get better shepherds, thank heavens. And there's <laughs> weeping as we go. And he gives us one heart and one way. These are, I just love studying scripture in this way where you try to get an image, you know, uh, of of what this calling is like, what, what is this gathering like? So now I'm gonna flip over another sheet and let's look, there's far fewer passages, but let's go to the New Testament, go to Matthew chapter 12, because there are three additional items that I see here in the few New Testament passages we'll look at. Matthew 12, verse 30 says this. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Oh, now that's, that's different. Uh, we didn't really, you know, that maybe there's some things you could see a hint of that in the Old Testament, but we didn't really realize that we gather with the Lord. We saw some passages that talked about, um, that talked about people sending this message on to the Gentiles and so on, you know, that kind of thing to the nations. But, but the Lord is really implying that, wow, there's, there's a whole group of people and, and you're either scattering or you're gathering with the Lord. But it's not just something the Lord does for us, it's something we're supposed to do. You know, people are supposed to participate in this gathering in some way. This is a, a New Testament message. I don't see quite as much in the same way in the Old Testament. So that's exciting. Look at Matthew chapter 13. And uh, look at verse 30, because it uses this word gather in an interesting way. I have not picked out passages for you, friends, but there are some of them that also talks about the Lord gathering the enemies together. You know, he gathers the bad people together. Everybody's going to get gathered. There's going to be gathering on both sides. And look at verse 30 there. This is the parable of the wheat and the tares. You remember that, don't you, friends, that, that an enemy went in and planted weeds. And then the, the, he says, let them both grow up together because I don't want to tear out the wheat accidentally. They all look alike for a while. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So two gatherings, mm -hmm. gathering of the tares and they get bind, bound in bundles to burn. And then the gather the wheat into my barn. It's just interesting to put that into a conversation about gathering. Now look at uh, when the Lord is explaining this down in verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. Aha, uh -huh, the end of this age. Okay. The Son of Man will send out his angels. So this is Jesus while he's on earth in the first coming, talking about what's going to happen at the second coming. Okay. And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Very interesting. You see, that's a negative gathering, isn't it? G gather all, all those who are um, uh, out of the way. And then in verse 43, then the righteous shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. After that gathering, negative gathering has happened. And verse 47 and 48 also has a gathering metaphor. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, uh-huh. which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. Yeah, so there's two gatherings. There's one gathering, which is just sort of a blanket thing. You gather everybody you can. And then there's a sorting of which is the good. And again, the good are gathered. Uh, they're, they're gathered into vessels. Uh, okay, we'll take that under advisement. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. How could we go through this evening without reading this important verse? For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Look at that. Now, we read about great throngs. We read about one by one. But here it says it only takes two or three. Very interesting. Like you can have a gathering with just two or three because the Lord said he would be there. If you had two or three, he'll be there. You don't need thousands. You don't need the great throng. Just get two or three together, and that's enough of a gathering to, to get things going. Uh, and how about the amazing Matthew chapter 24, which is this kind of apocalyptic thing about the end of times and so forth. And what do we read in verses 30 and 31? This is sort of the core of the story that I was alluding to just a little before. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Not a dark and cloudy day, but a, a cloud with glory and power, with the Lord in it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. You see, our reader knows to highlight the special word of the evening. Uh, there's another gather passage. Wonderful job there. Um, so after the Lord comes in heaven, so isn't that kind of like that trumpet and the whistle and, the, and, and all that that we heard before, uh, that the Lord coming in the clouds of heaven, then there's going to be this gathering. The angels are gather people together from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Uh, Turn through Mark to Luke. We're getting very close to the end here. Luke chapter 13. Starting at verse 34, the second to last. Now, this has been a harangue against the, uh, uh, against the, uh, you know, Pharisees and so forth. And look at what he says in verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. <clears throat> Sorry, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Mm. Yes, so you see that the divine love always wants to gather, you know, and it's that divine love that will do that gathering and bringing people together, but we were able to resist it. It's possible to resist it. And for our last reading tonight, we're going to wander off, as we did in the Minor Prophets, off into the epistles. So go through Acts and Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and get to First and Second Thessalonians. If you get to Timothy or Hebrews, you've gone too far. I want to go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. 
interesting statement here. Now see, when you have these prophecies in the Old Testament, you could think they're prophecies of when Jesus was going to come into the world. But when Jesus and in the New Testament and Paul and so on are still making these prophecies, then that's something that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And uh, look at chapter 2, the first three verses there. Now, brethren, concerning, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, mm. we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, quite a mystical statement, but the main thing I wanted to get across here is the third point. Uh, there will be a falling away first. And isn't that interesting that it talked about gathering? you know, being gathered to the Lord in there mm -hmm. by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together to him. You see, the coming of the Lord and this gathering are, are related to each other. And that's why I wanted to talk about this. Um, okay, those are our scriptures for tonight. Uh, now, let me try to say something about this. Um, this is a timely topic in an interesting way. I want to just say some more strange things. Um, uh, you know that in Scripture there's this expression about a time, times, and half a time, right? Time, times, and half a time. That's like when all this goes down, it'll be a time, times, and half a time. Well, <coughs> were you aware, aware, good friends, that that's what time of year this is right now? We are at a time, times, and half a time. You have, uh, if you have the four seasons like this, a time is spring. And then you have summer, and you have fall, and then you have winter, and halfway through winter is when the Lord intervenes. Uh, now, this is... This is just a metaphor of the seasons. It's not literally talking about this time of year. But the reason spring, I believe, is one time is that oneness has to do with love. The reason summer and fall are two is it has to do with truth. So at first, these things are more about love, and then they're about truth, and there's this kind of winding down, and then you get into the winter when everything's falling apart. Now, by the order of things, we should go through, it shouldn't be a time, times, and half a time, it should just be four times. That, that's a full cycle. It should go all the way to the end. But you remember that the Lord said that unless those days were shortened, no one could be saved. He doesn't let our spiritual existence on this planet, or for us as individuals, go all the way to the end of winter. He intervenes halfway through. That's why it's half a time. He cannot leave it until all sort of death, all hell breaks loose. He intervenes. He intervenes at a time when there are still some sheep. The sheep have been scattered. They've gone astray. Some of them fall in a pit or whatever. 
but there are still some sheep because you didn't wait till the end of the winter when, when they all got killed, you know, by that long winter. So when the Lord came into this world, as we saw with the talk we did about the angels of Christmas in heaven and on earth, you still had angels on earth. You had Mary, Joseph, Zacharias, Elizabeth, Anna, Simeon, shepherds. So, you know, you, had, you, you still had good people here because the Lord came halfway through winter. He came into this world not when the whole spiritual world had gone so far to hell that there wasn't a single good person left. He shortens that time or nobody could be saved. He's not interested in punishing us or putting us through hell. And so he just, he gets itchy in here and he can't resist and he jumps in and, and uh, rescues uh, the human race. And he will do this again when Christianity version 1.0 is coming to an end, which as you've heard me say before, good friends, I think is somewhere between 250 years ago and 250 years hence. You know, we're somewhere in this 500 year span, I think of this transition from version 1.0 to version 2.0. And I'm very encouraged that the Lord is not going to let it go to the very worst point. Now you have a, this is just a little bit of fun. So for, forgive me for what I'm saying now to fill up a few more minutes of Bible study. But the, um, uh, we just passed an interesting day last Sunday, which was February the 8th. And February the 8th is an interesting uh, day to me because that is Emanuel Swedenborg's real birthday. We celebrate his birthday on January 29th, but he was born in the old style on the old Julian calendar, which is really February the 8th on the Gregorian calendar that they were just in the process of switching over to in Europe during his lifetime. As it just so happens, February 8th, actually, you know, it's sort of humorous, but, but uh, here in the United States, we celebrate this wonderful Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is exactly halfway through the winter. And the joke is on us because no matter what the groundhog sees, there's always six more weeks of winter. You know, it, it's, it's sort of a joke, you know. Uh, but that's this point halfway through. And February the 8th, and when I first heard that Swedenborg's birthday was February the 8th, I just, I just thought it was the most boring thing I'd ever heard in my life. January 28th is far, 29th is far more interesting. February the 8th, you know. But when I was meditating about this on February the 8th, I thought, you know, this is really in some ways the low point of the winter. I, know, I don't know how you've been feeling, good friends, but the sun has been coming back for a long time. It's getting lighter and stuff. Do you know that uh, for Philadelphia and Boston and several other cities, uh, do you know when the day of the year of the greatest record cold ever recorded was? February the 9th. February the 9th in 1934 was the, the coldest minus 11 degrees Fahrenheit in Philadelphia, minus 17 in Boston or whatever. Uh, for four cities on the Northeast Coast, it was the coldest day ever. Well, it's just interesting to me that that's, okay, so the light is coming back. But to me, that's like, oh, we're right down in the pit of winter now, you know, and it's gonna go on for a while. That's when the Lord intervenes at a time, times and half a time. And part of his intervening, I believe, I think, you know, there's meaning to all these different things or else I'm a crackpot. Both of those are possible. But, um, uh, but isn't it interesting that Swedenborg would be born at a time, times and half a time during the year, you know, that he would come at that point where you really need some kind of intervention, you know, 
That's, you, you, you need a helping hand to get through. Don't let the winter just kill us all off. Uh, you need something to pick you up there. And it's interesting to me that he died on March 29th, new style, uh, which is a week after the solstice. So it was seven weeks uh, after the equinox. I mean, see what I mean? I mean, I sound insane. I am, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. The, um, uh, seven weeks after the solstice is when he was born, and then you get to the following equinox, and he died a week after that. So it's sort of headed in the right direction. It's just barely. He just barely made it past the equinox, and then he dies, you know. But his life sort of spanned from that lowest point to try to get forward. So it just seems to me that this is an interesting time to be talking about uh, this point. You know, now these four seasons have taken a couple thousand years to play out. So where exactly we are on that kind of spiritual calendar, I, I don't know. But somewhere around here is coming the end of winter, and the Lord is going to intervene. He's, going to step, he's not going to let it go all the way to the bitter end. He's going to intervene after a time, times, and half a time, and get things going again. One of the things that characterizes this is a dark and cloudy day. The winter has to do with no heat and no light. You know, that's what it's about. It's about a point in the history of a church at which there's no love. In Matthew 24, it says the hearts of many will grow cold and, you know, people will hate each other and so on. Uh, there will be a lack of love and there'll be a lack of truth. That's what happens at that low point. And then before it gets too bad, the Lord intervenes and injects some more love, some more truth to try to pick it up and get it going. And this time, it's not going to get bad again. You know, this would... This may be the last spiritual winter that the human race has to go through. What a magnificent thought that would be. I'm not talking about physical winter, but that spiritual winter, this may be the last one that we have to go through. And what the Lord is going to do when he comes, he's going to do all those things we read about. He's going to set up a sign, a banner. He's going to sound a trumpet. Um, He's going to gather the sheep. I don't know exactly what this looks like, but I think we're scattered on a dark and cloudy day. Are we not, friends? Aren't a lot of people on this planet scattered? Uh, people may still be sheep. They may be good. They're not being evil or predatory or nasty or whatever. Uh, but still, there's a scattering. And you remember last time it talked about the fact that when the sheep go astray, they all go astray on their own. They don't all go together. You know, a whole herd of sheep doesn't go in the wrong direction. If you're together, you're in better shape than when you're one by one. So hell wants to get us scattered, uh, take away the, the, our image of the shepherd and get all the sheep driven away on a dark and cloudy day. I don't know exactly what this looks like, but it just feels so important um, that this gathering happened. And so I have felt a burning desire to explore this and I wanted to communicate anything I could see about it, uh, that there will be a coming together. I, as long as I've told you some other crazy thoughts, why don't I say this crazy thought that I wonder whether for all the crazy craziness that goes on in the internet, I wonder if the internet is a divine means of drawing, you know, of gathering. 
there's a way for people through the, that instantaneous worldwide contact to get together who are like-minded that's, that's greater than anything we've ever seen before in this world. It's amazing. And so is that something, has the Lord set that up and there's little quiet, you know, just two or three can gather together in his name and that's already a <laughs> gathering, boom, boom. Are you getting little molecules? Oh, no, there's another couple and then they meet some other people over here. And it all builds in this organic way where the Lord is bringing people together. And I think part of this as well is the idea, Swedenborg says that um, people who love the Lord recognize each other as siblings. Uh, there's, there's sort of a family resemblance. Everybody's different, everybody's unique, uh, but when people encounter each other, they, they can tell there's a certain feeling that they can get of a kinship. Uh, it says in the New Testament, does it not, that uh, by this they will know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Surely the gathering is, although there's truth involved, you know, there's a trumpet, a banner, a sign, a whistle. And the, so truth is a very important part of it. And seeing the truth of who the Lord is is a very important part. Nevertheless, the gathering is surely a love-related function. Surely what takes scattered people and turn, turns them into one fold and one flock is a love. Thought brings presence, love brings conjunction. Surely love is what is going to bring people together. Love for each other, but also love like shared passions and interests and, and so on, shared perspectives uh, that will bring people together. I don't know how exactly this will happen, but I love the idea because I don't know how you feel, friends, but the but the fragmentation sometimes just, uh, it, I don't know, it just feels very splintered to me. So many different things, so it's just so much splinteredness and so much uh, relative lack of love of, you know, one tradition doesn't love the other tradition and, and, and these people are against those people and these people are bombing those people or killing them or, or whatever and, and uh, uh, do you desire, friends, uh, that gathering, the, the gathering? Um, it sounds like we can play a role in it, the fact that we are supposed to be gathering with the Lord. So as if of ourselves, when we, when we find others, can we try to connect, you know, and, and share uh, what we know and so on? We're told there'll be a falling away. And I think that's the half a time, you know, like the half a time is, it, it, he, he says to people in New Testament times who were thinking it was about to happen. No, 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 there's, there's a lot that's gonna happen between now and later. Some of you may remember uh, this point, um, that there's a, uh, an experience that Swedenborg had in the spiritual world where he's talking to angels and he tells them about the books that he's been writing and publishing and they are just thrilled and they look at Swedenborg and he's kind of crushed. And they ask, what, what's wrong? You know, I mean, this is awesome. And he says, well, people don't care at all. You know, they just don't care. And the angel's like, oh, come on. Sure they care. Swedenborg, no, well, let's try it. Let's hand, take one of these books and lower it down. They lower it down through the world of spirit. And as it descends, it gets darker and darker until people want to tear it apart with their fingers and trample it and everything. 
And then the angels get depressed. <laughs> and they say, how long is this going to be? And a voice says, for a time, times, and half a time. So we're fortunate, good friends. We live a couple of hundred years after that story was written. Are we just about getting done with our little old winter thing we got going on here? Are we going to get to some spring pretty soon here? Are we going to have an increased presence of God? Is that love and truth going to come forth? Are we going to cry out to the Lord? Are we going to do that work of repentance? Are we going to come together and gather in the name of the Lord until there's a great throng, until there's not even any space anymore because so many are coming together. That's what my heart is envisioning tonight. And let's all be a part of that, shall we? I invite you to close with a prayer with me, good friends. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, we look to you in our mind's eye and with our heart. We cry out to you, Lord. We want you to draw us, draw us to you, draw us together in your name. Give us love for one another. Help us see all the other lost and scattered sheep on this dark and cloudy day. We thank you, Lord, for the vision of spring that you have given us. We know that it's an unending spring that increases forever. We thank you, Lord, for giving us this vision Please call us forward in your name. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, that we may be gathered together.